Hello, 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 everyone. It's 2018. Oh, my pod is back. I'm so excited for this year. I can't wait to have different guests on, talk about different topics, keep you guys entertained, laughing, informed, educated. Whoever I have on, I just hope you guys at least learn something or crack a smile. Whatever I can do to make your day better, even if you play this while you're cleaning, I don't care. That makes me happy that you're even listening. So I haven't recorded in the past two weeks. I was actually back home and I was sick, so I couldn't record that week. And then the following week, I was just running around for New Year's and the holidays and I couldn't sit down and I wanted to have my mom on, but she couldn't make it on. We had different schedules, so hopefully she can come on soon. I know a lot of people were wondering, where's your mom? We've been dying for an episode with her. So again, she should be coming to Chicago soon and I can sit her down and we can have a little chat. But today, it might be a little awkward, you guys. I'm recording alone and that's because I don't have a guest, but also I think I wanted to do something um, and share knowledge about what I know a lot about is traveling. So I love to travel. I just got back from home, which was a two week trip and back to Florida. And I realized, you know what? I travel about twice a month. And what was funny is as I was thinking of doing this podcast, my brother texted me last night and he said, what website do you use for flights? And I let him know which one I use. And then he was like, well, how do I look at all airports? And and I let him know how to do that. And then he was like, well, how do we find the cheapest route? Like, well, how do we know which which site to check this and that? And I realized, wow, I was just thinking about doing this travel tips podcast and my brother's asking about it. So I figured I'd just share some knowledge that I know about. Obviously, I'm not a travel expert. I'm not a travel agent. So this, again, is just personal info. But I do travel quite a bit. I went on two international trips this year and I've been around a ton of different places in the U.S. Um, because all my friends got married this year. So we did a ton of bachelor parties and weddings and different bridal events. Um, but also for work, I travel a lot. And then when I can take time off, I, I usually do. So with that, I will jump right into some different travel tips that I have. So one of the first ones is the flight comparison sites. So, you know, if you're going to travel, you're usually going to be flying. There's, of course, different options. There's different trains that you can take if you're just going from a city to city in the United States. If you're international, you can definitely take a train. There's those bullet trains. There's really quick trains to get around. But I usually take flights. So that's what I'm going to speak about. So my favorite is Skyscanner. And I like to use this one because it's comparing every single website and every single airline. And so we'll pull and say, okay, here's the different um, flights that we have going out. And then you can even filter it further and say, okay, well, I want to leave in the morning. I want to leave at night or I want my returning flight to come back at night and I want to leave in the morning getting there. So I have the most um, time at this location. So I love Skyscanner. Um, and then there's also Expedia. There's Kayak. There's quite a few. Honestly, if you even Google like the best airline um, comparison sites, you'll find some. But Skyscanner is really good. And a tip that I have is is always check different locations to make sure you're getting the lowest price. And what I mean by that is my brother, as a, for an example, he was talking about um, going from Florida to Punta Cana. And I said, well, where are you guys leaving out of? And he didn't know. And there's different airports in Florida. There's Orlando, Miami. Those are some of the biggest. But then there's also a ton of little ones. There's Melbourne in central Florida. There's Tallahassee. There's Jacksonville. So if you have the capabilities to get 
um, from one airport to the other and like drive and just say, okay, well, if Miami's going to be cheaper, let's fly to Miami. Try that. So I just open a few different tabs. And so I'll say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try to leave from Orlando to the Dominican Republic, or let me try Miami and see which one's cheaper. But then there's also usually an option on every airline, um, website to put all airports. So for example, if you're flying into my city, Chicago, there's a, several airports here, but the ones that people fly into most are midway in Chicago, in, um, excuse me, Chicago O'Hare. And so what you would want to do is put Chicago all airports, and then it will show you the cheapest airport to fly into. Obviously, you want to make sure that you're close to your location. I've made a mistake once of flying into London, and London has a few different airports as well. And we were so far from our hostel that we had to take like an hour taxi, a different train. We had no idea where we were. We were stuck at night because then the train stopped running. It was a mess. So basically, just make sure wherever you are flying into, it's close to where you're staying. So yes, Skyscanner is one of my favorites. And then... In terms of comparing prices, obviously there's different myths going on right now about, you know, it's cheapest to fly out or excuse me, search for flights on a Tuesday versus a Sunday, or we're really not sure. Let's what if we tried this morning and then this night? I haven't really figured it out yet. I usually look at flights on Sundays and then sometimes during work on a lunch break, I'll check it and then I'll make a flight alert. So you can do that too. You can just send a flight alert to your email or your cell phone. And when the price drops, it will let you know. And then you can make the choice. Okay. Do I want to wait till it drops or should I just book now? I would say anything domestically, like in the States under $200 is really good. If you can get under 150, that's amazing. And Southwest is usually my favorite airline to fly cheap. And we'll get more into my favorite airlines in a second. But international, you're obviously paying a pretty penny because you're flying overseas. That's more um, work to get over there. So I would say international flights minimum, you would get lucky if you found something for about 500. So just use those as benchmarks when you're searching for flights. Um, You know, if you're paying like 300 plus a flight, that's extremely expensive in the United States. Another thing to look at when you're comparing the prices is the flexible calendar dates. So let's say you don't really have a set date like, oh, we want to go May 1st through 5th. That's a specific date. You can plug that in. But if you're like, well, we just want to know we're going in May. We don't really have any plans. We just want to go in summer right when it kicks off. You can use this flexible cal dates. And it's, again, usually on every single airline site, and it will show you when it's the cheapest to fly. So it might be like if you fly out on a Tuesday morning, you'll save $100. Yes, it's annoying to fly out on a Tuesday, but, you know, you're going to save money. So that's something I'd recommend if you're really trying to find the cheapest options. Moving on to airlines. I love Southwest because you get two free checked baggage and then you can bring a carry-on. And um, they're really generous if you want a an alcoholic drink. I don't know why they never charge me. I don't know if this is just something that I get lucky with, but don't take my word for this. But every time I ask for a drink, they don't charge me, even though I have a drink coupon or I'm ready to pay. So, you know, I do like to have a glass of wine when I'm getting on these flights. But I want to caveat that by saying I'm also not bougie. So when I fly, I do not need like 
you know, a fluffy little pillow and I don't need to be laying back. I don't need to be first class. I don't need tons of AC. I'm freezing all the time anyway. So there's some people that complain, you know, Southwest, you do have to um, pick your own seat when you get on the plane. It's not pre-assigned, but I fly with them so much. I got A-list last year, so I didn't have to wait for that. I, I was always in an A spot in an A group. So I always got in the first group. But again, that's because I flew them so much. So if you are someone that wants, you know, a seat beforehand that's assigned and you want, um, you know, maybe just more options like entertainment, looking at other airlines. I really like Delta and JetBlue. Um, JetBlue is also offering something called Mint, which is like a step up from their normal economy flights. And I've heard really great things about that. So I would check out those other two as well. And again, just do your research. Obviously, there's some airlines that have really bad reps, and those are probably like Spirit and Frontier. However, they're super cheap, but where they'll get you is like baggage fees and if you want to pick a seat. But if you're smart about it, you actually could get a pretty cheap flight. So what I mean is, Instead of picking a seat and paying for a checked baggage and getting insurance, if you just don't do all that and let's say you're bringing like a little duffel bag or a backpack, your flight very well could be under $100. So you just have to think, okay, do I need a ton of luggage? What am I bringing on the plane? Because they're probably going to charge you. Any little thing they can charge you for, they will. But again, some people just need a backpack and they're like, yeah, I don't need much. And they they fly for under $100. So um, those are a few that are very, very cheap. Um, and, but again, just be wary of what you're getting into so that you don't make a mistake and you have to pay $100 when you get to the airport. Trying to think what else, <coughs> excuse me, in terms of flights domestically, um, those are the ones I always take. And then I also, for international flights, usually I use Skyscanner. And what I do is try to see what connections you can make versus flying direct because usually you can save a ton of money. And then they're definitely going to be different airlines. But another site that's really great for that is just Google Flights. Google Flights is probably one that I use for international trips all the time. Skyscanner, I look to kind of get an idea of what I'll be paying. And then Google Flights, there's an option where you can put, you know, I'm trying to get from Chicago to London, but you can also just see, well, what's really close to London that might be cheaper. And then maybe there's a connecting flight that's cheaper so that the whole thing ends up being less. So I'll give you a quick example. If I was flying Chicago direct to London, that might be a $2,000 flight because I'm getting right there. There's no stops. London is a premium location for tourists. That's going to be expensive. However, if I said, well, let me fly somewhere around London, any of those countries close by, and then take one of those cheap flights into London, it could be less than $1,500. So I'm saving money right there. And over there, some of their cheaper flights that are similar to like the Frontiers and Spirits in the United States are EasyJet and Ryanair. And those are extremely cheap. Like, honestly, I think I went to Paris for 50 euros, might even be less. But where again they get you is the baggage. So they will charge you for everything. I remember they actually charged my friend to print her boarding pass. So, you just need to be super prepared. You need to have your boarding pass ready to have it double check that it's on your phone too. make sure your baggage doesn't weigh anything more than what their limit is. Make sure you're aware of how much baggage you can bring on, because if you're smart about that, then you can get around cheaper. So that's just another thing to be cautious of. But that's a great way to get over um, the seas, too. So, again, 
check Google Flights, see what's around the country you want to go to, and then just try to get one of those cheaper flights into the country. And then there's actually a really good site that I just remembered. It popped in my head that it's called Scott's Cheap Flights, I believe. And I use this for Greece. It's not super sophisticated as Skyscanner. You don't get to like filter things out and pick the times and flexible calendar dates. What you do is pick what country you're departing from. And then I think country you're going to. I can't remember, honestly, you guys. I'm so sorry. I I did this this past summer. But what it does is constantly monitors flights that make mistakes because the airlines usually honor those mistakes. Or if there's extremely discounted price drops, they'll send those to you too. So they'll send emails to you all day and say, oh my gosh, Delta made a mistake. They're doing a flight from you know Chicago to Paris for $500. And if you book it right then and there, the airline can't really take that away. Again, 99% of the time, they're going to honor it. So that is what this company is doing all day is checking for any glitches, mistakes, major discounts. And I've heard a lot of people get over to Europe that way too. So those are a few different ways you can get over there. In terms of other airlines, um, British Airways and Emirates have really good reputations. And then I just took Delta over there to London and I really had a great experience. They got they give you food, they give you a blanket and a little pillow. There's entertainment. I watched like an entire season of um Big Little Lies. So again, you can find really great ways to get over there that are cheap, comfortable. It's all up to how you like to travel. Obviously, you're always going to pay a premium if you're getting like one of those nap pods or going to be, um, you know, buying alcohol and things like that. All those costs add up. That's how they make their money. So I would say that is how I get over from A to B. A lot of people wonder, well, how do you save for that? Like, how are you flying so much? So airline credit cards have been my savior since I started traveling. I started traveling when I studied abroad. I sound like an idiot. I sound like one of those assholes that's like, oh my gosh, I studied abroad and wanderlust. But it's true. When I was in Spain, I was there for three months and it was so easy to get around on Ryanair and EasyJet that we went to so many different places. We went to Prague, Paris, Italy, Madrid, Ibiza, um, Amsterdam, Belgium. And we did that for so cheap. And what saved me with um, getting around was the Capital One Venture Card because they don't charge foreign transaction fees. So this is super important. When you're abroad, if you're using a card that has foreign transaction fees, you're paying a fee on every single purchase you make. I actually made this mistake this year, even though I've been traveling so much. I bought concert tickets on my credit card from the U.S. that doesn't cover foreign transaction fees for a concert ticket in Greece. And I actually was charged a fee on the concert ticket. And then I did the same thing for a ferry. I bought a ferry ticket and I was charged a fee too. And I was thinking, well, how could that be possible? I just got it online, but it's because it's coming from a Greek company. So I was charged those fees. So I should have used my Capital One Venture Card. They do not charge foreign transaction fees. So when you're going over there, what you're paying for is just that. You're you're just using the money from your credit card and um, they're not charging any fees on anything. They cover that for you. So that's really great. 
Another credit card that I like for domestic travel around the United States is the Southwest one, and that's a personal preference because I fly Southwest. Every airline has a credit card. If you like to fly Delta, they have Delta. If you like to fly United, they have one. Really, any airline that you want, they'll give you um, this credit card because they're trying to incentivize you to keep flying with them. And the more you fly, the more rewards you get, the more status you get, meaning you know when they call up those people on flights like priority boarding or A-list or premium members. Those are because those people probably fly with them all the time and have that credit card. So make sure you, you know, figure out what airline you want to take and then get a credit card for that airline because they also give really great bonuses off the bat. You do have to spend, usually it's about two to $3,000 in three months is I think the standard. If you can pay that, I would 100% recommend it because you usually get anywhere between like 50,000 to 100,000 airline miles. That is insane because that could be a few flights that could even be an international flight. I usually ask people, you know, how much was that trip to Tokyo that looked so insane? And usually it's because they use airline points or airline miles from their credit card um, that they've saved up. And the plus side of using these credit cards is that every transaction you're making you're getting more airline points and airline miles on those transactions. So if I'm going out to dinner and I can afford to pay off my credit card at the end of the month and I can put, you know, a $50 dinner on it, well, usually they give you double points sometimes. So that's 100 points right there just for putting it on my credit card. And that goes towards a flight. Another um, thing to look for is what type of bonuses they're giving you. And I mean, some airlines, airline credit cards will only give you these points if you you know are making travel purchases or you get rewarded more for making travel purchases so anything that has to do with travel whether that's an uber or a rental car or a hotel you might get like double to triple the points or you can um, just get like one point for just grabbing a burger so look into that too again there's a ton of research out there a site that i would recommend to look at before you make an airline purchase is the point sky as in his name, you can guess, he literally just looks at points of different credit cards and he weighs the pros and cons of each one to show you this is what I would recommend if you're this type of traveler. Here are the benefits. Here's maybe the part that I don't like about it, but, you know, it's worth it. Um, I really like him. He actually came to speak at our work and um, he gave a lot of advice and it was really helpful to learn, okay, well, maybe I shouldn't have gone with this credit card if I like to do this when I'm traveling. So he's a great resource to see. Um, you know, which credit card you should get. I also heard great things about Chase Sapphire. I think that's the one he recommends too. And then a super important thing that I should have done probably four years ago when I started working and traveling for work was make frequent flyer programs on each of the airlines that I took. So when you fly and you get a ticket, you have the option to plug in a frequent flyer number. This is completely free. I think people get confused because a lot of stores, like retail stores, do this where they're like, oh, sign up for our rewards program. It's X dollars a month or, you know, it's a credit card that you're going to pay this much interest on a month. This isn't how rewards programs work for frequent flyer um, programs. It's purely just to incentivize you again to keep taking that airline. So a lot of them have different names. Like I think American 
American Airlines is just Frequent Flyer. Um, Southwest is Rapid Rewards. There's different one. There's different names for each one, and they're all different numbers. So don't get confused and think just because you signed up for the American Airlines one that you have the same number for Southwest. You don't. You have to just sign up and then just keep track of it wherever you keep your passwords. I usually keep it on a little notepad in my um, phone. And then anytime I book a flight, I can pull it up. I plug in my reward number. And then as soon as I take that flight, I get points. And this adds up, especially if you travel a lot, you can book a flight with just points just from traveling so much. So even if you are traveling for work, um, usually employers will let you plug in your frequent flyer number because it's an individual benefit. I made the mistake early on of thinking, oh, there must be like a company number that I was supposed to plug in, but your company doesn't get rewarded for flying because you're an individual. So again, most employers are cool with you plugging in your number and then taking the flight so that you can um, build up those points to take future flights. So that's really awesome. Another thing to think about is packing uh, and, and baggage policies. When you're going on international flights and even domestic flights, the ticket might look cheap and then it might be like $75 a check a bag. So just make sure you're looking at that. That's why I do like Southwest. You get two free check bags and a carry on all for free. But then, you know, there's others that they might be like $25 a bag, but if you're overweight, it could be 50. So just make sure you're packing well and that you're being cognizant of what the weight limits are so that you don't get, you know, bitten when you get to the airport. So the next thing I want to talk about is sleeping arrangements. I got lucky in that I have friends all over the United States that live in cool cities. So usually if I want to go visit someone, I'll say, hey, can I just crash on your couch? Or do you know a really cheap place nearby that, you know, we can meet up and I can just stay at? And it usually works out. You know, sometimes I've even brought an air mattress to people's places. So if you have the option to do that, I'm sure you're all smart enough to know that's a great way to sleep for free in different areas. But Airbnb is also amazing. Um, Airbnb everyone should know what that is they're such a big company but you're basically renting someone's home or space as if it were a hotel for the duration of your stay so they have different options where you can either rent out the entire house for you and your guests or you can just rent out a room so just figure out what you want like if you're super chill you don't really care if other people are in the house then just do a room i've seen your rooms be as cheap as like 25 dollars. so you know people always think oh i can't travel it's just so expensive to stay overnight you can find extremely cheap rooms on airbnb it just depends on your level of comfortability of the situation there's also HomeAway and VRBO, which I think are extremely similar to Airbnb. And you can filter it down, you know, how many guests are going, what dates you're going, what type of um, place are you looking for, and what do you want it to be by? You know, do you want it to be by the beach? Are you looking for something a little more in the city, like a, a sky, or excuse me, a high rise? Um, that you can really much filter, very much filter things out um, on Airbnb, as I assume the other two. Another resource that I would use if you are not going to use Airbnb or stay at a friend's place is Hotel Tonight. It's an app that I discovered from a coworker that's basically flying standby um, just as you would 
um, at the airport. So if you're flying standby at the airport, what that is, is basically just giving you the chance to fly out earlier. A lot of people do this, especially if they're traveling and they're, you know, their meeting gets out early and they don't have to leave till seven. They'll go to the airport early to see if they can fly standby, which is basically taking someone's seat that either hasn't shown up or canceled the flight. So hotel tonight operates in the same way and that it has rooms that people either didn't show up or canceled or they weren't able to book. So they extremely discount it and you can plug in what city you're staying in, how long you're staying, and it will show you some really cheap rooms because, again, they'd rather have someone stay there than not. So it's usually um, really discounted and awesome. So hotel tonight, try that one out too. For any other sleeping arrangements, um, I always like to talk about hostels because I think people get confused about hostels because of the movie Hostel and the stigma that they get. I have never stayed in an American hostel in the United States, so I can't speak to that. I've only um, slept at hostels abroad. I went to my first hostel. I, I swear I was like, are we at the right place? I think we're at a hotel. Like I thought it was a five-star hotel because it was just two beds. They had silk sheets. The shower was like this beautiful, clear, upgraded shower. We had a balcony that was overlooking the city of Prague. And I truly was like, I don't think this is our place because in my mind, I was thinking a hostel is like a homeless shelter where it's just, hey, everyone just gather here. Um, you know, here's a, a bit of food. Here's a blanket and a towel. Make it work. Obviously, I was extremely closed minded and realized, wow, I have the entire wrong idea. So, you know, my mom always gets scared like, oh, my gosh, you're staying in a hostel. That's so crazy. But again, hostels, I don't know why I think the movie really ruined it for people are probably, in my opinion, the safest place to stay. You have to have a key card to get in the front. You have to key card to get in your room. You can lock everything up. The hostels usually sell locks too, so if you didn't bring a lock, just go up to the front desk, ask for one. You can maybe just exchange something for one or pay for one. They're usually extremely cheap. And lock everything up in a locker room. It's common sense, just as if you're at your gym and you go to a, um, you know, a locker room, you're going to lock up your stuff. Do that at the hostel. What I found about hostels is the people that you meet are from all over the world, which is really nice because you're meeting people constantly. However long you're staying there, people will come in and out. And the people that work at the hostels are usually from all different cultures. So my last hostel I stayed at, I think there was like someone from Australia. There was a Spanish speaking person. There was a Japanese person. And all these people were working harmoniously together at the front desk. And I just love that I get to see all these cultures together working. But also it's fun to talk to them. Like, how did you guys end up in London and, and how did you end up here? Um, I definitely recommend always talking to people that work at hostels. They have some really, really cool stories. A uh, great website for hostels is Hostel World. It's basically like the sky scanner of hostels. So hostelworld.com, filter out, you know, what um, type of hostel you're looking for. And what I mean by type is there's youth hostels, meaning it's more of like 18 to 35 year olds. There's party hostels, as you can imagine in the name, you're just partying. Um, you know, there's hostels that are a little more upscale. You can even look at ratings and reviews, and then it will just start filtering out for you what type of hostel you can stay at. I always like to look at on a map too where the hostel is to make sure that it's close to what I want to be by. So again, 
I wouldn't be able to tell you guys all this. I bet I didn't make a billion travel mistakes before. I've stayed at a hostel and realized how far we were from the city, and we had to take so many taxis and Ubers. And especially being in a foreign country, I think taxis know that they can kind of charge you whatever you want if you look American and you're acting like you've never been there before. Um, they'll be like, oh, well, the ride's just $20. And, you know, I don't know how to argue in a different language, so I'm just going to pay the $20 to get from point A to B. And then when you talk to a local, they're like, wow, that should have been $5. So you don't want to make that mistake. So when you are traveling, just make sure, okay, is this hostel by a train line or is it close to a bus stop or a taxi pickup, wherever you want to, you know, however you want to get from point A to B. Is it by all the attractions? Is it by the restaurants you want to be at? Because you can also save a ton of money walking. The more walking and public transit you can take, the better. Um, my personal preference in hostels is definitely party hostels. I'm almost 27, so I do like to stay with the millennial group because we're usually on the same wavelength of, you know, wanting to go out, meet people, come back late. We don't have to worry about, you know, waking people up and that are sleeping in, etc. So I do like to stay at party hostels. I think the term party is subjective because I've been to a party hostel in Budapest, which was truly a, a party hostel. I cannot even explain how insane this place was. It was inside a club. It's called the Instant Groove Party Hostel for anyone that's going to Budapest. There's only, I think, about like 13 or 14 beds in the entire hostel. So you're basically forced to become friends with everyone really quick. And something you want to look at, too, is how many beds you you want in the room you can pick you know two beds that's going to be more expensive because you're basically paying a premium for all the space or you can pick like four beds you can pick an all girls room if you know if you're uncomfortable sleeping co-ed you can pick up to 18 i think that's what i did in london um so it's really how you want to sleep do you want to just maybe sleep in and have the comfort of quiet then probably do like a two to four to maybe even six whatever gender you are dorm room so you don't feel uncomfortable or just do the 18 bed co-ed so that you can meet people it really is whatever you're feeling i've done trips where i've just stayed it was two girls and two guys in one room and it was super fun we actually ended up becoming uh, ended up becoming friends with everyone in the hostel and we went out together we um, drank together we went to eat together and now we're all really good friends because again the entire hostel was only 13 people so we all had the same common area we were going to the same bars etc but then there's also insane hostels that will host like hundreds of people and each room is 18 beds so i've done that as well where you know i thought well i'm gonna meet a ton of people in this 18 bedroom dorm and it turns out i was a solo traveler just like everyone else was and so i thought i could meet a ton of people in the 18 bedroom dorm but it actually was kind of awkward because I was like, wait, should I talk to this one girl that I've seen walk in and out? Should I talk to these two guys that I've seen in the room that are always hanging out in the lobby? What about this person on my left? What about the person I'm sharing a bunk with? It was kind of awkward for me, but the good thing about not only party hostels, but pretty much any hostel is that they do have a social element of either, whether that's a cafeteria or like a Wi-Fi bar, um, they have actual bars and they'll always host something, whether that's karaoke night, a bar crawl, a beer pong tournament, anything you can think of, quiz night, I've seen it all. Um, and that is designed specifically so that you meet people. So if you're ever thinking about going abroad and you're like, oh, well, I have no one to go with or, you know, I'm nervous about staying in hostels, I'm telling you, I've stated 
20 plus hostels now and I've never had a problem with any of them outside of maybe cleanliness. And that was from my own research, not doing enough research. Now I'm well seasoned enough to know, okay, this is the type of cleanliness I want. I want to make sure it comes with X, Y, and Z. And you can, again, just filter all this out in sites like Hostel World. So don't be scared of hostels. They're really fun. I've made some awesome friends and they're usually really cool. Like the place I just stayed in London was actually an old courthouse. So that's crazy. It's called um, the Clink 78 Hostel. So ever check that out if you're ever in London. I think um, that's it for sleeping arrangements. I think the only last thing is hotels, obviously, people want to know about. I don't really stay in hotels because, again, I usually either find a friend's place to sleep at or I stay at an Airbnb or, um, you know, a hostel. However, you know, there are instances where I need to stay at a hotel. I have a wedding coming up. I just went to a bachelorette party. We stayed at a hotel. I like to use hotwire.com, and that is basically... It's kind of tricky. You plug in what you want. So you can say, you know, I want like a no smoking room. I need it to be around this area of the city. And, you know, it needs to be one queen bed. And it basically will book a room for you, but you don't know what it is until after you book. So it's not like Skyscanner where you get to see, okay, well, I would be flying this airline at this time. It's basically saying, we're going to give you the cheapest room, but you have to trust us with just the information, but it's going give, to give you an extremely discounted rate. So that's why you just need to think in your head, okay, well, what do I not want to compromise on? Probably like a no smoking room if you're, if you don't smoke, you know, if you're not going to, you don't want, probably want to be around a loud area. So maybe you can put like, I don't want to be by the elevator. Um, hot wire is a way to look at hotels, but also if you're going to stay at a ton of hotels, hotels also have frequent um, loyalty programs. So the more you go, the more you get rewarded, the more free hotel stays that you'll have. So every single hotel chain has this. There's, you know, if you stay at the Hyatt or the Hilton or the Marriott, they all do hotel reward programs. So again, you just get a number, you just sign up, it's free. It's not a credit card or anything. It's just points. So think of it as the hotel is rewarding you for staying there because they want you to keep coming back and spending money. So every time you go, you'll get points to stay there. And even if you're staying like for a friend's wedding, if you're booking the reservation, you can put your number down. And as soon as you're done staying, you'll have those points. So just think of that if you're ever um, fly, not fly, <laughs> stay at hotels. The next thing I want to discuss is how I save because I I always think that people maybe this is my own opinion but I think people hear the word travel and think it's a luxury where you have to fly first class and you're on a private jet and you're staying at a really nice you know penthouse suite in this city and you're just taking Ubers everywhere that's not the case. You can travel for very cheap, especially if it's something that you make a priority. So I make it a priority because that's what I love to do. I hate shopping. I I literally despise shopping. Like it makes me tired. It makes me upset. It's so funny because if we ever go shopping around Christmas time, I'm like, can we just not? Or like, can we skip this? Because I don't like it and I spend my money on traveling. I would rather have a trip to Europe than, you know, a designer bag, but that's my personal preference. If you want your designer bag, that's great. I'm just here to say there's other ways to save. So have your designer bag and maybe use some of these tips to get maybe abroad or even just maybe to the next state over. And that is, um, there's a few ways. I would say the first one that I did when I was younger is the gold, good old method of taking out money and putting it in an envelope. So I did this when I studied abroad. I would take out the amount of 
currency I needed and put it in an envelope and literally write on the envelope where it was going. So I wasn't even tempted to touch it. So for example, I would make an envelope that said Paris and then I would put X amount of dollars in that envelope. That way, when it came time to go to Paris, I'd pull it out of my drawer and I already had the money set aside. This is also because I'm just awful with my finances. So I spend like crazy. I honestly, I I can't even make this up. I get like a low balance alert every single week. It's so embarrassing um, because I'm constantly spending, but it's usually on airlines. Um, But also I need to be cognizant of, okay, well, do I want to go to Paris and be broke? No, I would like to have a glass of wine and a steak, probably go up to the Eiffel Tower. You know, I don't want to be eating a biscuit and, and, you know, some coffee every single day. So that's what motivated me was I want to have this money when it comes. So right before the trip, that money is already set aside and accounted for. So that's a nice way to do it. Some people take cash with them. Some people deposit it. Depends on your preference and how safe you feel and how good you are about keeping track of your purse and where you put things. Um, I like to usually just take it with me because I'm very cognizant of that. But people will just deposit it right in the bank before they go. So again, that money is just accounted for and ready to go. Another way that I like to save is with this app that I discovered actually recently last year called Digit. And what it does is it ties up to your bank and then it will use an algorithm to say, okay, well, Chelsea's bad at saving. So we're going to have, we're going to slow down how much we pull from her because we obviously don't want her to overdraft. So let's pull out 96 cents on a Monday and then we'll do $2 on a Tuesday and then skip Wednesday pull $4 out on Thursday and maybe $2 out on Friday. So it does it really slow, but you can command the app to either save more or slow down. And what you do is just set different goals and they call them goal emojis. Um, so I'm actually going to Croatia Yacht Week next summer or this comp- this upcoming summer. It's already 2018. So I made a little goal with a sailboat and it says Croatia Yacht Week and I put the amount of money I want to save by and what date. And it uses its smart algorithm to say, okay, well, we have what, about seven months in July and Chelsea's constantly saving this much, but she's spending this much. So this is how much we need to pull out to get her to that goal by July. So it's really cool. And if I ever get extra money, let's say for my birthday or Christmas or from work, I can command the app to save more and it will pull out more than it usually does. But again, if you're trying to save elsewhere and it's pulling too much, you just say slow down or you can actually command it to cancel the goal emoji and you can withdraw whenever you want. So this happened recently. I realized there was a lot of money in the rainy day part of it. They call it the rainy day fund, which is basically for whatever you want. And I had so much money in there that I didn't have a lot of money in my own checking account. And I was like, I need to withdraw this money because I need groceries. And so I just hit withdraw and then it would it withdrew from my account and deposit it back into my bank account. It does take a few days. It's like Venmo. If anyone uses Venmo, it does have to you know go through a bank and then get back into your account. So just be aware of that. Another thing, another way that I get around is those airline points. So like I said, I'm a frequent flyer on every single airline that I fly. And I've been able to book a few wedding flights this year purely with points from my credit card and from frequent flying. So that's a great way to get around. And then honestly, I asked for airline gift cards for Christmas and my birthday. That's what I got this past Christmas. I got a few of them because again, that's what I like to do. But just as if you like beauty and you want to get your hair and makeup done, that's probably what you're going to ask for for Christmas 
your birthday or the holidays, whatever you celebrate. Um, but it's all about what you prioritize. Another tip that I have too is as it's coming up, if you realize you're really not close to having the money you wanted, maybe pick up some odd jobs. Just start babysitting on the weekend making 50 to $100 or Um, There's actually a ton of different weird things you can do, like take online surveys surveys for $10 or do a research study for like $100 to $250. There's a lot of weird, odd jobs that you can do. So, you know, if you're two months out and you're freaking out, well, I really don't have the money I want for Croatia Yacht Week. Just start doing stuff on the weekend that you can dedicate your time to or whenever you have some free time to, you know, pick up a shift here or do some weird job and get that extra money. But also just start cutting back on things you really, really don't need. I am going through a struggle myself of like, okay, what do I really need? I love getting my nails done, but I was just going to London over Thanksgiving. It was a pretty impromptu trip and London is not cheap. Um, and so I was like, well, what can I cut back on? So I just stopped getting my nails done and painting them the month before. And honestly, I saved so much money because I live in Chicago and I get acrylics. Um, I'm kind of ghetto like that. And I love my acrylic nails. And every time I get them, they're what, like $30 plus a tip that's like 35, 36. And then I get my toes done too. And I like to get gel. That's like $50. I was spending almost a hundred dollars a month on nails. So imagine if I just don't get my nails done for two months, that's $200. That could get me uh, through a whole few days in London. So just think of little things like that. Lunch. Oh my gosh. I cannot tell you how much I spend on food and eating out. It's so embarrassing when I look at my credit card statement. It's like Chipotle, Uber, Chipotle, Uber, Chipotle, Uber. (laughs) I think, um, you know, if I ever were to argue with my bank statement, they would just be like, well, we already know what you're spending on. It's Chipotle and Uber. Like, what is the argument here? Because all we're seeing are these two things. And that actually put me in a reality check position where I was like, okay, Uber, I can cut that out. I have public transportation in Chicago that is right by my house. I have a million buses and then it's about a 10 minute walk to the train. So yes, it's really annoying in winter. I always want to take an Uber, but then I think, wait, a train or a bus ride is like $2 to $2.50. Just start doing that. And then also um, eating out. I cannot tell you how much insane money that I spend on brunch. That sounds so basic, but I mean, it's serious. Like a $20 bottomless mimosa deal plus then, you know, a $20 entree plus a tip. We're already looking at $50 on brunch. If I'm doing that two to three times a week, I mean, a week, Jesus, two to three times a month, that is what, like $150? That could be going towards, again, a really cool excursion or something, an attraction overseas or even where I'm, wherever I'm going in the States. That could even be a flight. So just start thinking, what do you really not need? Like, there's this new show on Bravo out called Stripped that they literally take everything away from them and it forces you to think, what do I need? What do you really need? Like, do you need to get a facial? Do you need to get a haircut? Can you wait till after your trip? Is anyone really going to notice that half inch that you, you know, took off? Just think of those little things that you can add, uh, excuse me, cut back on so that you can add more funds to your trip. So those are a few ways that I like to save when I'm about to travel. And um, going back to like loyalty programs and, and ways to incentivize you to travel, 
there are two amazing things that I recommend that have saved my life in the past two years since I've had them. And that is Global Entry and TSA PreCheck. So I just recently got Global Entry. So I'll tell you that about that in a second. And I'll tell you about PreCheck first. TSA PreCheck allows you to completely skip the line when you walk in the airport that um, everyone else goes into. And there's a separate line for TSA PreCheck. So it's basically like a fast pass at a theme park. You are basically cutting everyone. And because you have to fill an online application and get approved, you don't have to take your shoes off or your laptop or really anything when you go through security, which as we all know is the most annoying part. I hate if I'm wearing sandals and I have to take my sandals off and now I'm barefoot in the disgusting security line and then I have to take off my jacket my belt my earrings take out my laptop I mean it's so annoying that once I realized uh, about TSA pre-check I was like how did I ever get through without this I am not making this up from the point I walk into the airport to the point to get to my gate is usually 15 minutes and that's why when my mom freaks out like you need to leave five hours before. I can't believe you haven't left your house yet. What are you doing? You're going to miss your flight. I'm like, mom, it literally takes me 15 minutes to get through because I have TSA pre-check. The other reason it takes me so quick to get through is because I always have my boarding pass on my mobile wallet, so I don't have to go to a kiosk and print it. So when I walk into the airport, I'm literally going straight to the security line. And TSA pre-check is probably about max 10 to 15 minutes to get through, like max. That depends on what airport you're going to, of course. If you're going to a huge airport that's like a hub for an airline or something like that, obviously you might be a little longer than that. But the point of pre-check is to expedite your travel time. And then, of course, just getting to the gate. And I don't check a bag. I take a carry-on. So I literally just walk right through, get through TSA pre-check, and then I go. Global entry is basically the... Um, global version of TSA PreCheck. And what you do is you have to fill out a form online. It's pretty rigorous, but again, the reason they're doing that is because of travel issues lately and, you know, people illegally crossing borders and people being unsafe or criminals or whatever the case may be. So you do have to fill out an online application. It took me about 30 minutes to an hour, um, but I'm glad they did that because it just shows that they're taking the precautions necessary for a trusted traveler. And then you have to go in person to, um, usually it's at an airport, like a center to interview with someone from the TSA about your status and they'll ask you you know questions like have you been arrested in another country before or you know where's your license from to make sure that you are a law-abiding citizen if so you get this global entry card and you get a number and again everything goes back to these numbers these are like id numbers and you just plug it in every time you fly so what's cool about both of these is that you're always getting an expedited travel time but um that it always will happen excuse me if you plug it in your flight it's just automatically on your boarding pass so that's how i get through the line so quickly i just show my boarding pass and it shows up right at the top tsa pre-check um i can't remember if i just said this global entry automatically gives you tsa pre-check so don't sign up for both if you're gonna sign up for either one it depends on how you travel the reason i got global entry is because i do travel international and i'm hoping to travel more internationally what it does is as soon as you land instead of going through that crazy customs line you just go through a different line again it's expedited and you can just um, basically put, put your fingerprint down and go right through i learned this because of another mistake i made i was coming back from london and i had to catch a connecting flight and customs took so long because there was every connecting flight from from the airport landing 
there was probably a hundred plus people in this customs line. I'm not kidding. I was there for about 45 minutes. I was wearing jackets because I couldn't pack them. So I was sweating. My wheel broke off my suitcase. I mean, they probably thought I was a homeless person. I'm not even kidding because I was just sweating. My my shit was broken. It was so embarrassing. But um, what I learned is, wow, I'm missing out on the global entry line because they kept yelling global entry line over here. Everyone with global entry. And these people were just breezing through. So I said, as soon as I get back, I'm getting that global entry card. So literally that next Friday I applied and I just got it in the mail. Um, my picture's not flattering. It looks like a mugshot. So you know, just make sure you smile for your picture, but they're also relatively inexpensive. Global entry is a hundred dollars for five years, total five years. So $20 a year, but you just pay all of it up front and that's it. So now I have global entry from this year on for five more years. That's crazy. That's so cheap. And then TSA pre-check, I think is $80 for four, uh, no, I think it's $80 for five years too. So again, it's not $80 per year, it's total. So that's extremely cheap for traveling a lot. Like I said, I travel a lot for work and I like to do that personally. So if it makes sense, definitely sign up for both of those. Again, you get a number, you plug it in every time you book a flight and then it shows up on your boarding pass and you can breeze right through security. So highly, highly recommend. The last thing I wanna talk about is probably avoiding jet lag and traveling solo versus a group. And then I think one other thing actually that just popped in my mind that I'll bring up in a second. The way I avoid jet lag, this sounds crazy and people are going to be like, oh my gosh, you're so woo woo. But I truly think it's all your mental state. If you go into it like, oh, this is such a long flight. I cannot believe we have to fly 13 hours. Oh, what are we going to do? Oh my God, I'm so sick. You're automatically setting your mind and body up to be like, well, I'm going to be a mess as soon as I get off this plane. If you go in it thinking, okay, whatever. Yeah. 13 hour flight is extremely long, but as soon as we land, we're going to be in this magical spot. I don't even want to waste time sleeping. Then your mind will probably adjust to that. And then of course, sleep as much as you can on a plane. Um, my London flight was about 13 hours. And what I did is I took an overnight flight purposely so that as soon as I landed, it would be the morning and I could just drop myself up at the hostel. And then I had the entire day to do whatever. So there was a f- about a five to six hour time change, but I wasn't affected because I took you know a 7 p.m. flight. I popped melatonin because I have a hard time sleeping, except weirdly on planes. I passed out on them, put my, eye, put my eye mask on and my travel pillow, and I passed out pretty much the entire flight. So by the time I landed, I had a good 12 hours of sleep. I was ready to go. However, that hasn't always been the case. I've also taken flights that have been maybe 14 hours that were during the day, and I had to wake up early. But again, any 14-hour flight, you can usually squeeze a nap in there and just think positive. Like, again, do you really want to land and then sleep for eight hours and waste an entire day or night that you could be exploring? Probably not. So just think positive. Think as soon as I land, I want to hit the ground running. I want to go get a drink. You know, truly visualize what you want to do. That's what I did with London. I was like, I actually said, I just want to throw myself in the hostel and then I want to go like straight to get fish and chips and go to a pub. And that made me excited. Like as soon as I landed, I didn't even want to waste time. So it is about your mindset. 
Of course, a lot of people get sick on planes because of all the people in the tight quarters. So probably bring emergency with you, drink a ton of water, um, you know, get some sleep if you can. Um, bring a really comfy travel pillow. I definitely recommend eye masks. You never know if you're going to get the window or not. You never know when they're going to turn the lights on or not. A comfy hoodie in case you're freezing. And there you go. You're, re- you're ready to sleep and enjoy your flight and get there. Obviously, there's entertainment. I usually download podcasts before I fly so I don't have to use Wi-Fi or data. Listen to a ton of them on the way there. Read. A lot of international flights will have entertainment if you're, uh, I mean, TV or movies. And if you're flying domestically, some of them do, some of them don't. So just be prepared for that. Again, find a podcast you like, bring a book, bring a magazine, um, do things you've never thought you wanted to do, like delete contacts off your phone. I did that one flight. I just went through my contacts and deleted like 70 people. So just keep busy. But again, try to keep the mindset of as soon as I land, I want to have fun and I don't want to be jet lagged. So I'm ready to go and enjoy what I just paid for. Traveling solo versus a group. I've actually only traveled solo once, which was this past Thanksgiving to London. I usually travel in groups because I do find it I'm, you know, a more social person. I do like to have fun, grab a drink with someone, you know, definitely make sure if you are traveling with someone that you have the same interests. I've made mistakes of going on trips with people when I was abroad that we just had totally different interests. Some people want to go to a club. Some people want to go to a bar. Some people don't even want to go out. They just wanted to go to museums and see the historical aspect of cities. Make sure you talk about that before you travel. Like, what does everyone want to do? Do we want to spend $50 on a steak dinner and wine on one night and then maybe take it easy the next night? Are we trying to just save money the entire time and eat cheap so that we can do really fun stuff during the day? Have those conversations up front so that you can avoid not doing what you want to do when you're there. Um, I think the best part about a bigger group is that you can split off. So this past year, I went to Greece with five other girls. So there were six of us. Definitely try to go even if you can, because if we wanted to we could split up like, OK, well, two of us are going to go have a sit down breakfast. Two of them just wanted to go grab a quick coffee and a muffin. Two of them wanted to go see, you know, go walk around the little town. So it depends on what you want to do. I think that's the best part about traveling in a larger group is you always have options with different people. But again, just make sure you want to do the same things up front because you don't want an argument of people being like, well, well, I wanted to do a museum. I just wanted to go to the beach. I just wanted to sleep in. That will cause a huge ruckus and ruin your trip. So what I probably make a little text group or Facebook group and make sure you guys are on the same page. And then traveling solo obviously has its positives and negatives too. You're alone. So you do get to make your own schedule. When I was in London, I said, okay, if I want to sleep in today, I can sleep in. If I want to wake up early, I can. I don't have to wait for anyone. I can eat whatever I want. I don't have to ask anyone's opinion. If I want to go to a crazy club till 6 a.m., I can do that. Or I can just chill at home, uh, chill back at the hostel, go to bed early. Whatever you want to do, I think that's the best part about traveling solo um, and meeting new people. So because I wasn't with anyone else, I was actually forced a lot outside of my comfort zone to just go up to people, um, especially in different cultures. Um It does depend where you go, but some people are super friendly. I think Americans in all my travels are the most enthusiastic as well as Spanish people. But then you might go some places that they're a little colder and unemotional and you might take that personally and think, oh, they don't want to talk to me. But you just have to keep in mind that's the culture. So, you know, this isn't just international, too. You can even go around the states and just try to stay at um you know either a hostel or an airbnb and just walk around and talk to people at different coffee shops or ask a local at the local juice bar you know what are some great spots for this thing that i'm looking to do um everyone's really helpful everyone's really accommodating always but 
traveling solo, I think I, I am forced to talk to different people. Um, and it's fun. Those are fun stories. Like I went out in Manchester alone and I was freaking out cause I was like, what am I doing? I don't know anyone here. They don't know me. I don't know. Like, are they going to have different music? Are we going to be like on a totally different wavelength of partying? And I actually just went up to this group of guys and started talking to them. And they ended up basically taking me under their wing, showing me around all the little local Manchester spots. And we ended up having a blast. Um, Obviously, my mom wasn't thrilled to hear I was out alone (laughs) with a group of guys. But luckily, I was staying with a friend that night that I knew from college. So it's all good. I was safe. Um, And I might be too trusting, you know. That might not be the move for everyone. Maybe find a group of girls when you're staying in an all-girl dorm room and say, do you guys all want to go to dinner tonight and get to know each other? That's a great way to meet people, too. Again, talking to owners of hostels or Airbnbs, they can always be helpful as well. Um, I stayed at an Airbnb in San Diego with my friend, and the owners of the Airbnb actually owned all these bars and speakeasies around San Diego, which was so awesome because... We ended up uh, going to all of them for and seeing the girl and help and she was helping us out like almost a little tour guide of San Diego. She gave us a map. She sh- showed us where to go for um, you know X, Y, and Z. Like if you want steak, go here. If you want a cocktail, go here. So you know if you do have the chance to connect with your Airbnb host or you know anywhere you're staying before, ask them how they would travel as well because they always give awesome advice. So. There, you know, there's always positives and negatives to each one. I definitely think everyone should try to travel solo at least one time just to get out of your comfort zone. It doesn't have to even be an international trip. It can be a day trip to Milwaukee from Chicago. Like, just go and see what's out there. See, you know, if you like to eat alone, try new things that you wouldn't try. Go to places that you normally wouldn't want to see just to see if you like it. Um, It really forces you to think about you know, how you present yourself to the world and how you interact with people and what you truly like and don't. Um, but again, everyone has their own preferences. So it's all up to you guys. And the last thing I wanted to talk about that just popped up in my mind is how traveling never goes as planned. I, I can't name a perfect trip where everything was perfect on the plane. There were no crying babies. The luggage landed perfectly. I got from point A to B perfectly. I didn't get lost. I had free Wi-Fi. You know, I didn't have to pay for an Uber. Something will always go wrong. Either the flight's delayed. You took the wrong train. You don't have directions on your phone. There's a million, million things that can go wrong, but what I've learned is the more patient you are and the nicer you are with customer service reps, the more rewards you'll get. So recently, when I was um, on a work trip to Minneapolis, our flight on the way back home was delayed, but then all they had to do, (coughs) excuse me, all they said was, well, we do have another flight to a different airport and you can fly first class. And I was like, what? Is this a joke? Minneapolis to Chicago is like an hour. So I was like, well, how could this be any different than what we were just taking? Except what? We just take first class? And they're like, yeah, it's just a different airport. So to me, that wasn't a big deal because I'm equidistant to both airports in Chicago. But to other people, I could understand. They're like, well, I don't want to fly into that airport that's so far from my house. So... I was like, well, you know, I'll wait. I'm not going to freak out. I don't have, I don't have anywhere to be. I just got back from a work trip. I All I have to do is be home by a certain time because I have work tomorrow. So I was like, you know what? I'll just wait um, and try to take this later flight that they're talking about. And all of a sudden they're like, well, that flight's full, but 
were offering people a $250 voucher to take this other flight that's later. And I was like, $250? That's a nice little trip across, you know, the United States or even to another state, um, city around me that I've always wanted to go to. So I was like, I'll take $250. And as I'm thinking about it, they all of a sudden raise it to a $500 voucher. And I'm like, why are they raising it to 500 to like 250 was enough. And then I think a lot of people, not enough people were signing up that they thought for this later flight. So then they bumped it up to a thousand. And I was like, is this, in, is this crazy? Like there must be some catch here. The catch was that you had to fly out the next morning at 6 a.m., meaning that you would have to wake up around 3 to 4. But the good news is that they give you a meal ticket and they put you up at a hotel. So, of course, there's people that are like, hell no, I'm not waking up at 3, 30, 4. I have work tomorrow. I have to get home. However, there's a nice way and a patient way to ask people. So if you're freaking out like, what the F, I have to get home and oh, I can't believe this. You guys are ruining this. Think about where they're coming from they don't control the air they didn't they're not air traffic controllers they can't control what's going on thank god if there was an issue that you didn't get on that plane would you want to get on a plane that has an issue and you have to emergency land somewhere or worse crash probably not so usually it's because it's in your best interest they're not delaying flights just for fun to see people's crazy reactions there's usually a reason so think keep that in mind like they're not the people you're talking to did not cause this problem and the nicer you are and the more assertive you are and just um friendly and say hey i really needed to be back home is there any way you can help me that usually works versus freaking out on them yelling at them berating them in public because think about if you're on the reverse side if someone was screaming at you at yelling at you and then someone nicely came up and was like hey i understand you're not really in charge of this but i do have to be home at a certain time can you help me out you're probably going to help person b so just always think cool calm and collected stay positive and you're more likely to get help um what ended up happening is i got that a thousand dollar voucher and i gave me a meal ticket so i got sushi that night and then i got to stay at like a pretty nice hotel and i yeah i had to wake up at 3 30 or 4 but i still got to work on time because minneapolis to chicago is about an hour so i was back at work at nine o'clock so just for staying a few extra um, hours and then staying at a hotel where i got a toothbrush and everything and was able to take a shower i got a thousand dollar voucher and that actually paid for most of my flight to london recently so be patient be assertive but you know remain cool calm and collected because that will always work for you um, another story I have is I recently was going to a game, FSU game, Go Knowles, in Atlanta, and all the flights were delayed for some reason. Every single person was going to Atlanta for this game, and all these flights were pushed back, and so all these people were flying out like three to four hours later than they were originally slated to. And I went to the airport um, knowing that my flight was delayed, and I was like, you know what? Chili's is at the airport. Anyone that knows me knows I love Chili's, like my number one side note if anyone wants to take me there they closed it down in chicago's downtown area but chips and salsa southwestern egg rolls all day hit me up i will go to chili's any time of the day and they have two in the chicago o'hare airport so that was my plan like whatever it's delayed again i didn't freak out i just was like i'll listen to a podcast or read a book or go to chili's doesn't matter 
what's funny enough is I go to Snapchat that I'm on the way to Chili's and then I look at my friend's Snapchat and it's like waiting for our flight to Atlanta and I was like wait is she about to get on a flight to Atlanta I wonder if I can fly standby so I run over to meet her and she's like oh my gosh yeah try to get on this flight um a ton of people just got on standby and we're all waiting to see if we can get on because we've all been waiting for so long so I go up and I ask the you know customer service rep hey is there any way I can fly standby I see that it's leaving in you know 15 minutes and she's like no sorry we already have 30 people here waiting on standby and 30 people on standby is insane I've never heard of 30 people canceling or missing a flight so automatically in my head I was like whatever I'm obviously not gonna get I'm not gonna be slot 31 and get on this plane I'll just wait with the girls until they get on and then I'll go eat chilies and then just listen to a few podcasts until my flight takes off so a few seconds later someone goes up and they're like hey can I fly standby and she adds them to the list and I'm like wait a second I just went up there how on earth did this person just get added when I just asked and so in my mind I was like maybe that person was waiting there but then I realized no that person had been behind me so they they did go after me so I was thinking in my head should I go up and you know be like what the heck you just told me five seconds ago that this wasn't there wasn't any standby spots left but I was like maybe she made a mistake or maybe she just didn't realize that more people could fly standby than she thought so I went up there and I was like hey I actually just came up here a few minutes ago and you said that there weren't any standby spots left but uh, you know I just saw a few people get on um was there a mistake made or is there a way I can get added on now and she was like oh my gosh hold on I'm so sorry I think I made a mistake and she just added me on the roster so I was like okay it's still pretty unlikely that I'm going to be able to get on this flight but we'll see because of that frequent flyer program that I was telling you guys about um, I actually had points from American Airlines which I, I guess I fly a lot for work and I was bumped up to number four so out of 32 people I got put in the number four spot and I actually ended up being able to go on this flight my flight was delayed for three hours originally and I got to go on this one as soon as I got to the airport so I'm sorry to the girls that I was waiting it with they probably hate me um, but you know this is when it paid to have those frequent flyer rewards and just be patient and nice i'm pretty sure if i would have gone up to that girl and said what the hell you just told me this like are you guys effing kidding she probably would have been like you know what screw this girl i'm still gonna tell her that there's no spots left on standby she can fly the three hours later so just always think it does pay to be patient of course we all are frustrated when we have to be somewhere but you know the kinder you are to them the more likely you're probably going to get on a flight um to where you need to be and same thing with anything else you know if you have an issue with uber usually i tweet at uber if you tweet at airlines that's another great way to get their attention because they don't want bad press on social media so just say hey xyz airline or uber whatever the case is i had a bad experience can someone contact me more than likely they want you to return so they'll give you a discount on the next ride or a credit or help you out in whatever way they can so just be cognizant of when you're interacting with people because usually it will pay off to, you know, be a little more patient than a hothead. So I think that is it. I can't believe I just talked for over an hour. That's insane. It's probably too much time to talk about traveling, but, you know, it is something that I'm really passionate about. And my brother, like I said, just asked for advice. And my mom always wonders, too, like, hey, can you help us plan this trip? And it's pretty simple. Um, once you start doing it a lot, then it's like secondhand nature. Like, OK, now I know what airline I want to do. I know what bag I'm going to pack. I know my frequent flyer numbers are right on my phone. I can plug them in. And it's just like practice, you know? 
the more you fly, the more familiar you'll get. And, you, you know, the more you drive, the more familiar you'll get with the roads. So just always think of, you know, how can you save for different trips? And Pinterest is a great way to get some inspiration. That's how I usually like to find some trips as well as Instagram as bases, as basic as that sounds. Um, I love seeing where people travel. And then I usually just will ask that person like, hey, I just saw you went to Mexico. How crazy was that? Like, where should I stay? And that's the best way to find out how to get around. So hopefully you found this helpful and, you know, let me know of any travels that you guys have coming up or your favorite places. I'm constantly looking to find new places. I promised myself when I was 21 that I would travel one new place every year. And that wasn't meant to be a big trip. It could have been literally down the street to a new restaurant travel or travel to the next state over or travel abroad. So that's a promise I've kept to myself and I hope to keep until I die. Um, So I hope you guys are inspired to do the same. Thanks so much for listening and happy new year. Bye everyone.